Hello, this is Gene Wilhelm, and today we'll be examining the uh, scriptures for the 11th Sunday of Ordinary Time in Cycle B. That's June 6, 2021. One of the potential messages uh, that from the, these readings is that uh, trying to achieve your purpose in life, no matter how small or how large, God gives us everything we need to achieve that purpose. So we don't really shouldn't limit ourselves as to how we can do that. Uh, perhaps how you see yourself, perhaps how the world sees you. Uh, God isn't done with us yet. To look at yourself today can bring either pride or discouragement or just plain uh, satisfaction. Give yourself unreservedly to God. Let him worry about the outcome. And I want to begin today with the gospel, which is from Mark, since we're in cycle B, the, an ordinary time. The gospels are normally from Mark. And this is from Mark chapter 4, verses 26 to 34. So this is fairly early in Jesus's ministry. Uh, what we can do when we look at this is we can look at uh, Matthew 13, 1 to 9, and we'll get something that's fairly similar to this. Jesus said to the crowd, this is how it is with the kingdom of God. Now, remember again that Mark talks about the kingdom of God and uh, Matthew calls it the kingdom of heaven because Matthew was written for the Jews and uh, Mark was basically written for the Romans since it was he was writing what Peter had told him to say and he was Peter's uh, person. So what we look at that then, if we look at it, we will see that He's speaking about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. In other places, Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is among you. So what is the kingdom of heaven? What is the kingdom of God? Well, it's the people of God, isn't it? So it, today it would be his church. So this is how it is with the church, with, with the people that are members of my body, the body of Christ. It is as if, if, as if a man were to scatter seed on the land and he would sleep and rise day, night and day, and through it all, the seed would sprout and grow. He knows not how. Now, let's think about that a little bit. Uh, a couple of scriptures that come to my mind immediately uh, on, on this, and one is from James chapter 5, verses 7 and 8. And this is one that, that, that I need to read and meditate on periodically. Uh, and when you read, hear me read this, you perhaps will understand why. It says, Now, patient, be patient, brothers, until the Lord's coming. Think of the farmer, how patiently he waits for the precious fruit of the ground until it has had the autumn rain and the spring rains. You too must be patient. Do not lose heart because the, Lord will, the Lord's coming will be soon. So it talks about the patience here. The other thing that it talks, that God has told us about this is in Isaiah 55, 10 and 11, where he uses a slightly different uh, uh, imagery of, of uh, what we're talking about. And it says, as for the rain, for as the rain and the snow come down from the sky and do not return before watering the earth, fertilizing it and making it germinate to provide seed for the sower and food to eat, so it is with the word that goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me unfulfilled or before having carried out my good pleasure and having achieved what it was sent to do. Now, other in one of the other uh, in the parable of the sower, Jesus tells us that the seed is the word of God. So the, again here, I think we, we're seeing here that the word of God is being scattered. And we don't know how it's going to grow, but, it, but it's there. And I think 
Another thing that we need to look at is that, that passage in Hebrews, that first Hebrews 11.1, 1, which says, only faith can guarantee the blessings that we hope for or prove the existence of the realities that are unseen. We are much like the, the person that sows the seed or the, 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 the person that owns the land where the seed has been sown. We don't really know how that seed is going to grow. Now, in today's world with the science that we've developed over the last several centuries, we know basically how a seed will sprout and grow. But in reality, when we do that, we really don't know exactly what's going to happen because it takes a lot of factors to make that happen. Now, what the, what the New Jerusalem Bible says about this particular set of verses says the kingdom will achieve its full development by virtue of its own hidden intrinsic power. Think about that again. The kingdom will achieve its its full development by virtue of its own hidden intrinsic power. That's note D from the New Jerusalem Bible. So what it's saying is that it's built into the seed to do what it's supposed to do. And we can we can do things to hinder it. I could I could spray it with weed killer to kill it. I could not water it if it was very dry. I could water it too much. I could pull it up as a weed because I didn't recognize what it was. But the seed's going to do what it's supposed to be doing. And we, we just know that. And the other side of this thing is, what part are we playing in the planting of the seed? First uh, Corinthians 3, 6, and 7, Paul tells us, I did the planting, Apollo did the watering, but God gave the growth. It is neither the planter nor the waterer that counts for anything, only God who gives the growth. So no matter what part we play in what God is asking us to do, uh, it doesn't, it's, it's God that's going to make it happen. It's not really, it's us. It's like we are a, uh, to use another analogy, it, I, I am a hoe or a shovel or a rake or something in the hands of God to make all these things happen. He's doing it, but I'm the implement. But if I'm the implement that refuses to go into the hands of God, then it can't happen. Uh, it's, it's difficult sometimes to understand that. And it says down next, it says in this passage, of its own accord, the land yields fruit. First the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. Okay, so it's, it's happening. Uh, one of the things that we can do is compare ourselves to other people. And Psalm 37 verse 7 says, Be quiet before Yahweh, wait longingly for him. Do not get heated over someone who is making a fortune, succeeding by devious means. Boy, one of the main problems that many of us get into in serving God is when we start comparing ourselves to others. Uh, when I compare myself to someone else, I tend to either see their very best qualities, or their very worst qualities, and I compare myself to those. And either, either if I look at their best qualities, I see the qualities that I do not have, and I become jealous or envious, and I look upon myself as something else than, I, than what I am. If I look at their worst qualities, I become prideful because I don't have those bad qualities. A good thing to think about here uh, is that that children's uh, story about the ugly duckling. If you remember correctly, this this duckling looked funny. It had a long neck and it didn't look like the other ducks. And he was made fun of and, and criticized by the other ducks that were there. And he didn't realize what was going on until he saw some swans and realized that he was really a swan. So what we need to do is to look at ourselves as God looks at us. Are you a duck or are you a swan? 
Uh, the other verse that comes to my mind so frequently when I think of these things is Psalm 46, verse 10. It says, be still and acknowledge or know that I am God, supreme over the nation, supreme over the world. Again, don't get yourself worked up because things aren't happening the way you think they ought to happen. Put it in God's hands. Surrender yourself completely to God, and then you will find out what is going on. Now, the, this thing about, and when the grain is ripe, he yields the sickle at once for the harvest to come. There are a couple of verses that come to my mind there uh, that talk about the end of time. And I think that's probably what Jesus is talking about here. And one of those is in Joel 4.13. It says, Ply the sickle for the harvest is ripe, and come and tread for the winepress is full. The vats are overflowing, so great is the wickedness. So this is a time when God is going to press out the, the wickedness of people. In Revelation 14, verses 15 and 16, Then another angel came out of the sanctuary and shouted at the top of his voice to the one sitting on the cloud, Ply your sickle and reap. The harvest time has come, and the harvest of the earth is ripe. Then the one sitting on the cloud set his sickle to the work on the earth, and harvested, and the harvest of the earth was reaped. And you remember in the parable of the wheats and the tares, the two were together, and, and the landowner said, don't tear up the tares lest you tear up the wheat. And at the end of time, they're going to be separated. And I think this is a little bit of what, what Jesus is talking about here. So we need to be very clear on that. Then he goes, this gospel passage goes into another parable. And he said, to what shall we compare the kingdom of God? Again, he's talking about the kingdom of God, or what parable can we use for that? And the word parable there is a Greek word that means a similitude, a, a fictional narrative to, to tell the story because we will get at the bottom of this passage why he used parables. It is like the mustard seed that when it's sown to the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on the earth. Okay, so what about mustard seed? We look, if we look at Matthew chapter 17 verses 20 to 21, 20 and 21, the, the, the uh, apostles were saying, why couldn't they perform the miracle that Jesus performed? And he said, he answered, because you have so little faith. In truth, I tell you, if your faith is the side of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible to you. Wow. So if, if we look at this parable that Jesus is saying here, that what if our faith is that small, is so small, why are we concerned? Because if we look back up to the previous parable, it's going to grow. If we just give it time and tend to it the way it ought to be tended, it's going to grow. And it says, how small, I mean, I say, how small is your faith? How, how, is, how strong is your grasp of the word of God? Once it is sown, it springs up and it becomes the largest of plants and puts forth branches so that the birds of the sky shall dwell in its shade. And we'll see in the first reading that in the, the cedar that God transplanted is going to be a whole place for the birds of the sky, which is really talking about everybody, the whole world. It, it becomes a place for the whole world to come and be in God's shade. Then he goes on to say, with many parable, such parables he spoke the word to them as they were able to understand it. Without parables he did not speak to them, but his own disciple, to his own disciples he explained everything in private. So what we have here is that God, Jesus used parables because the people weren't ready to hear the fullness of what he had to say. But those whom he was 
teaching to become his successors on earth, to follow him, to carry out his message, he spoke to them directly in a way that they could understand. He was patient with them, and they were patient with him. Now, let's go to the first reading. The first reading is from uh, Ezekiel 17, verses 22 to 24. And this is kind of a, uh, in some respects, an obtuse reading uh, that uh, probably needs a little more explanation. But when we get into it, we'll see that it probably has more to do with that part about the parable of the mustard seed than anything else. But thus says the Lord God, I too will take from the crest of the cedar, from its topmost branches, tear off a tender shoot, and plant it on a high and lofty mountain. All right. Who is, first of all, let's, why is it talking about cedar? A, a cedar, uh, uh, if you look at some of the commentators, is a symbol of pride and strength and security and prosperity. Cedar was considered very valuable because it was used by Solomon not only in his palace but in the temple. And you can look at various passages in Second Kings for information about that. But who is the, the cedar branch that's cut off from the top? Well, this is Jesus Christ. Now, what's interesting about this, uh, and it says, I will plant it on a lofty mountain, on a mountain, on the mountain heights of Israel, I will plant it. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure, but I'm pretty positive that you cannot root a cedar in this way. I mean, it's, it's impossible for me to take it, almost impossible, maybe it, maybe it can, but a cedar doesn't generally propagate by taking a branch and sticking it in the ground like it, you can with other things like maybe roses or, or uh, some various vines. But here it is. And I, this, this, this topmost branch of the cedar tree is Jesus Christ. And he's going to plant it on a high and lofty mountain. Well, he's, if you take the immediate uh, interpretation of this, the mountain is Mount Zion. But if you take it as Jesus Christ, what is the mountain? It's Mount Calvary, where Jesus died on the cross. It's not Mount Zion. It shall put forth branches and bear fruit and become a majestic cedar. Birds of the air shall dwell beneath it, every wing thin in its shade of its boughs. Okay, again, what is it talking about here? This, as a, after Jesus' death and resurrection and ascension into heaven, He's still with us in the body of Christ, which we are members of, the, the members of the church. The church is the body of Christ. So he's saying that this body of Christ, this, this, the church is to grow and become majestic in every way, and it's supposed to bear fruit. Well, the, the church itself cannot bear fruit, can it, unless its individual members bear fruit. So uh, again, if we go back to John chapter 15, where he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And we were called to bear fruit. So if Jesus is the vine and we are the branches, again, it's a different, a different imagery here, but it's the same basic thing. If, if Jesus, not only Jesus that walked the earth, Jesus that's in heaven, but Jesus, the body of Christ, of which he's the head, if we are not attached to that, we cannot bear good, we cannot bear fruit, we'll die. But we're called to bear fruit. And if we bear fruit as members of the body of Christ, then the church is bearing fruit. And again, it says, talks about birds of every kind will dwell beneath it. This, it it's supposed to be a place where all the people of the world are able to gather and come into the shade of the church and under the protection of the church. And, and perhaps uh, uh, as, as uh, Paul talks about, 
the wild olives being grafted onto the, the rootstock of the good olive. All of us, I don't know about you, but I'm definitely a wild olive. I'm not a domesticated olive because there's so much in me that is still wild. And then it says, and all the trees of the field shall know that I am the Lord. Hmm. Isaiah 55 verses 10 and 11 again talks about that he's going to achieve what he wants to do. And uh, if we go beyond that, uh, we will see that God really wants to, 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 to do what he's going to do. And you go beyond that 55, 12, and 13, which I don't have on my list here, it talks about he's going to put pathways in the desert and springs will come forth, and he's going to bring people back to him. It talks about back to the promised land from, from Babylon. And again, remember, Babylon is confusion. So what God is wanting to do is to bring all the people of the world back to him from the separation that happened on the confusion that happened that is symbolized by the Tower of Babel. Again, we need to look at that to see what's going on. And all the trees of the field shall know that I am the Lord. Well, how is that going to happen? All the tr Ezekiel 37, well, let's, let's go back up, step up, I do have that, Isaiah 55, 12, and 13, excuse me, I didn't see it here. Yes, you will go out with joy and be led away safely. Mountains and hills will break into joyful cries before you, and all the trees of the countryside clap their hands. Cypress will grow instead of thorns, myrtle instead of nettles, and this will be the fame for Yahweh, an eternal monument never affected. A face, pardon me. God wants to make that's joyful. He wants the world to be joyful for the right reasons. If we follow God, if we submit to God, if we surrender ourselves to God and follow his leadings, then we can be a part of bringing that joy not only to our own lives, but to the lives of others. Ezekiel 31 verse 6 again talks about uh, the same thing. All the birds of heaven nested in its branches under its boughs, and all the wild animals dropped their young in the shade, in its shade sat many people. So again, we're looking at this body of Christ. We're looking at the church as being where people are to gather. Uh, let's look now at, if we look at John, uh, pardon me, Psalm 113, verses seven to nine, uh, we will also see that uh, another thing, that what God wants to do. And that one says, He raises the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the dunghill to give them a place among princes, among princes of his people. He lets the barren woman be seated at the home, at home, the mother of happy sons. God wants to transform our lives. He wants to bring us from where we are. If So many of our lives are poor. We are in the dry dust of the desert. He wants to bring us into the promised land. He wants to lift us up from the dunghill. Uh, so much of our culture is more, not much more than a dunghill. He wants to lift us up from that. He wants us not to be sterile. He wants us to be fertile in all of our lives. And I'm not just talking about in procreation of, other ch of children. I'm talking about our lives are to be a fertile thing. The soil of our lives is to be fertile. The soil of our lives is not to be the rocky, the hard soil of the pathway, nor the rocky soil, nor to have the, the, the weeds and the, uh, the briars and the thorns in it. 
the cares of this world. It is supposed to be a place where God's seed, God's word can be planted, and it can thrive and grow and bear fruit for others. Okay, uh, one more scripture on the first reading, and then we'll probably be finished with it. They said nothing, and this is this the apostles again, or with Jesus. And, they, and Jesus asked him, what are you talking about? And he said, they said nothing because on the road they had been arguing about which of them was the greatest. So he sat down and called the 12 to him and said, if anyone wants to be first, he must make himself last of all and servant of all. Then he took a little child whom he set among them and embraced. And he said to them, anyone who becomes a little child such as this in my name welcomes me. And anyone who welcomes me welcomes not me, but the one who sent me. This is, again, Mark 9, 34 to 37. Our, the importance in our, of us and what we do in the eyes of others is not as important as what we are in the eyes of God. In the eyes of God, primarily we are sons and daughters of God, of the Father. We had the scripture a few weeks ago about that the Spirit inside of us cries out, Abba, Father, because that's what we, we are, his children. He is our Father. And if when we are the little child, the little child is so dependent upon the father and the mother. And, and you have to remember that in this culture, the, the little child could not contribute anything to the family. If you base the importance on what you are able to contribute, what you see that you contribute, that is wrong. You are valuable regardless of what you think you are able to contribute. And that is so important for us to know. Let's look at the second reading, which is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6 through 10. Again, a short passage. Uh, Brothers and sisters, we are always courageous, although we know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. God, Paul here is lamenting the fact that he's still alive. Uh, he's kind of like Job was and, and uh, to, uh, is it Tobiah. Lamenting the fact that their life was such a mess, they just, they want to die. But here he's saying, although we, while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. Paul would much rather be with God in heaven than with God on earth. And I think that should be the pro- process for all of us. But we have to know that we are just as easily able to, com- to, to communicate with God here on earth and walk with him here. For we walk by faith and not by sight. And when I look at that, let's look at Romans 8, 24 and 25. In hope, we already have salvation. In hope, not visibly present, or we would not be hoping. Nobody goes on hoping for something which is already visible. But we have this hope that we cannot see yet. We are able to wait for it with persevering confidence. Okay, it's an, it's, that's basically a repetition of Hebrews 11.1, 1, which we had earlier. Only faith can guarantee the blessings that we hope for or prove the existence of the realities that are unseen. And it's, it's where are we? What are we doing? Therefore, yet we are courageous and we would rather leave the body and go home to the Lord. Therefore, we aspire to please him. We aspire to do what God wants. You know, uh, you look at yourself in your life and you wonder, what am I supposed to be doing for God? 
It's what he told you. But if you don't, are not listening to him, how can you do what he's told you? If, what's the last thing you heard God told you to do? And if you can't tell me, then you, you need to start asking God. You need to be still and let God do the speaking instead of mumbling your prayers and petitions and all that to God all the time. Let him have a chance to talk with you. <coughs> Pardon me. It says, for each must appear, all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each may receive recompense, repayment, according to what he did in the body, whether good or evil. Uh, we can look at Matthew 25, verses 19 and 20. This is this parable of the, of the talents. It says, now after a long time, the master of those servants came back and went through accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents came forward with five more. Sir, sir he said, you entrusted me with five talents. Here are more that I have made, five more that I have made. His master said to him, well done, good and faith, trustworthy servant. You've shown you are trustworthy in small things. I will trust you with greater. Come and join the master in his happiness. Again, let's look at Hebrews eleven six. Now it is impossible to please God without faith, since anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists, and he rewards those who seek him. God wants us to live with him eternally. If we, don't, if we don't do what we're supposed to be doing, it's going to be very difficult to do that. And if we don't hear what God is telling us to do, how can we do what he's telling us to do? Uh, I mean, I can't repeat that often enough. And, and how do you do that? You can do that through prayer. You can do that through discernment. You can do that through a spiritual advisor. Uh, sometimes circumstances present themselves where you just have to do it. You have to be so in tune with what God wants that you know what you need to do. The, the old example of the, the bus is one that, the, the bus that's about to run over your child, if there was a bus or a truck coming down the street and your child was in the street, you would go to grab the child immediately without even thinking. And that's the type of response we're supposed to have with God. Now, we're going to call it quits for today. Let's, um, let's just one thing. The, the response to the Lord, it is good to give thanks to you. And I add for my process, for the part we are allowed to play in your plan of salvation. There is a saying from a generation or so ago, bloom where you're planted. Where are you planted? Where you're planting can be humbling or boring or even dangerous from our perspectives. We may even see others around us who appear to be more fruitful or producing more appealing fruit. As I said earlier, it's, it, you're not concerned with the results. That is God's concern. Be concerned about your obedience to God then one last scripture, 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7. Bow down then before the power of God so that he may raise you up in due time. Unload your burden onto him since he is concerned about you. God bless you, and I hope you have a great week.